We are continuing to video our messages. Uh, David is our video man, our camera and sound man, and we appreciate him doing that. Um, I supply it to those who are not here and some who are here and would like to uh, see these services also. We have many that are that are not able to join us, and, and Pastor Mark uploads it to a YouTube, as I'm sure you're aware if you've received them. And uh, we email it out to you if you have a computer. There's a few that we have to uh, make a DVD for so that they can uh, look at it if they don't have a computer. Um, which reminds me also that Pastor Mark has, has uploaded the... Um, CDs, or excuse me, the, the audio recordings of Dr. Kober uh, onto our website. Uh, we have extra um, copies of the manual that he had in his prophecy conference, and uh, if you would like one, um, just let me know. I kind of put them away, but they're, we just as well use them and uh, get them out to those of you who would like those. And then you can go to our website and uh, listen only. It's not a video, but to listen and, uh, and follow along in, in the manual as well. Many of you were here for that prophecy conference, and, and it was quite uh, interesting for us as we realized that the things that are yet to come are going to be fulfilled just literally as, and exactly as we find in God's word. And, um, but we make those available for those who are not here. I received word this week that uh, Bobby Henson uh, tested positive for COVID, and uh, so we need to keep them in our prayers. And of course, um, with COVID still kind of a thing, seems like a growing thing. Um, we do what we can. That's why we do not pass the elements out for communion. Uh, if you'd like to take part in our offering, uh, you'll have to uh, drop it in a can back there on the uh, pulpit in front of the nursery. Uh, and just um, uh, drop that in there. We'll not pass the offering plate. I will, as much as I'd like to, I'm not going to shake your hand uh, as you leave. Uh, I will uh, say hello and thanks for coming and, and maybe an elbow bump or something, but uh, uh, we'll refrain from the handshakes and the hugs and, and do what we can to try to um, keep a curb on, on this disease as a president would say, the, the virus from China. Take your Bibles, if you have them, and turn with me to Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Can't believe that it's November 1, can you? Two days away from uh, the election. Uh, a pretty important election, right? Goodness. And we all know that, that either way this turns out, it's going to be trouble, right? Um, I'm not going to get political on you. I just, I just wear my mask that I received from, uh, for my b birthday. I can't help but uh, like this mask. And I don't have any black eyes yet for wearing it. <laughs> I'm not get political. I'll just wear my mask, right? Uh, no one knows what the response will be uh, from the radical left if Trump is reelected. Lord only knows the direction our nation will go if Biden gets elected. Um, 
Not to mention that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Goodness. Uh, uncertain days, for sure. Uncertain times. And a passage that I'm dealing with here in Romans chapter 8 today is a passage that is just overflows with assurance and security for uncertain times. Um, one of the most fundamental and crucial needs for us as people is assurance and security. Uh, men seek for that, and yet we find it here uh, in God's word being offered to one and to all. And of course, no matter what period of history you've lived in, there's been challenges. You know, 2020 has been a pretty good challenge for us that are alive and well here on planet Earth right now, but uh, you can be certain there's that uh, there's no temptation or trial taking man such such as is common to man, taking us as such as is common to man. Um, God has always been there. Uh, this is Satan's domain. He's going to contest God's people at every turn, and he has right from the very beginning, causing the fall of man back there in the Garden of Eden. Um, 2020 has had its challenges, but praise the Lord for the absolute truths of his word and the fact that we know that God is in sovereign control. Uh, these truths and these promises of God uh, are the anchor for our lives, the bedrock uh, that we can move forward in, in total security and assurance in the things of God. I'd like to read the passage that I'm going to be dealing with today, starting in verse 28. It's a very familiar passage, uh, and going down through uh, verse 39. So follow along as I read Romans 8, starting in verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified them, he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, how we thank you for this passage we thank you for the 
assurance and the security that just overflows from these truths that we find here. And yet, Father, we can find that upon every page of your word. We thank you for your word, for inspiring it and preserving it down through the ages. Father, I thank you for the privilege that that we have here in America, the freedoms we enjoy, that we can take your word in hand and proclaim it without fear of, of retribution. Father, we just thank you for this time together, and as we come to you and to your word, Father, we pray that you would work in all of our hearts and lives to your honor and glory. You know our needs today. You know us better than we know ourselves. And Father, you desire to minister to each one according to their need today. And so I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, Father. And more than that, that we would yield to you, that we would be more than just hearers of your word, but doers of it as well. That as you speak to our needs, Father, we would yield to you and comply to the things we see and and adjust our lives accordingly. Thank you for each one here. Thank you for your presence. Bless as we continue now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in keeping with the larger context that I have dealt with here for some time now, under the heading of Fear Not, um, I have mentioned that uh, I'm going to continue to look at passages that that deal with that topic um, that help us to dispel the fear that might exist in this day that we live. Um, And, of course, uh, I come today in that light to this uh, huge, huge, huge passage of Scripture uh, it's, a, it's a mountain range of truths that stick up above all the other beautiful mountains that you see. It's kind of like uh, climbing up on Columbia here, a mountain that's fairly short, you know, compared to, comparatively so. And you can look across Glacier Park to the north and, and uh, the Bob Marshall to the, to the east. And, and as far as you can see are mountain peaks that are sticking up. And, and these mountain peaks here are kind of like Mount Cleveland. Um, the tallest peak in the park. Uh, I don't know, Ron, if you ever climbed Mount Cleveland? No. Never got up there. It's, it's kind of hard to reach. It's on the, almost to the Canadian border. And, um, but you've been on many of the peaks, and um, you know there's some of them that just stick on up above and beyond. I guess this, this passage of Scripture would be the Himalayas uh, of, of the mountain peaks of God's Word. Um, certainly there's some... Um, Mighty, mighty truths here. I've put this together today under a title that I have entitled, If God Be For Us. And I've left out the rest of it. You can fill in the blanks. If God be for us. Um, And there's no way that I can tap its depths here. Um, It's going to take two messages to get through this passage. But I could spend months Uh, trying to tap the depths of what we see here in this. And so I'm going to try to just kind of skip across uh, some of the tops of these peaks that we see here. Um, And I hope that it'll um, keep us keeping on for the Lord Jesus Christ, the truths that we find here till he comes or or, uh, till we meet him through death's door or till he blows that trumpet that we might just uh, absorb these truths and undergird our lives with them and just keep on serving our Lord. There are five eternal principles that we're going to gain or that I would like to point out out of this passage of Scripture. First of all, there is the extent of God's purpose. Secondly, the extent of God's provision. 
Third, the extent of God's pardon. Fourth, the extent of God's protection. And fifth, the extent of God's presence. Uh, I hope to make it through two of these five points today. Uh, first of all, the extent of God's purpose. Uh, we see there in verses 28 through 30, uh, this being brought out. Now verse 28, uh, probably one of the most familiar verses of all of Scripture. Um, in Romans 8:28, uh, all things work together. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. That first part, uh, I'm not even going to touch on because uh, there's too much there, and uh, you know that well. Um, but the second part, as we or the middle part, I guess I could say, all things work together for good to them that love God. Let me ask, does that include you? Do you love God today? I hope so. Well, like Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love someone, you're going to do what you can that is within your ability to please them. Uh, Husband-wife relationship, parents-children. And that doesn't mean we're perfect, but God doesn't expect us to be perfect. Uh, But we can have everything we need to be all that he's called us to be. And um, if you love God, it's because uh, the Holy Spirit's worked in your heart and and has drawn you unto God and his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You've understood that truth to be true for you. And uh, you've received Christ as your Savior. And, of course, that's just where... Uh, The love began uh, as we go on in our life endeavoring to please the Lord. um, We realize that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called. Now, the called, um, that would be all believers. If you know Christ is your Savior, you're part of that group, the called. Um, Hopefully, you're part of the group that love God, and, um, and you're doing it and showing it by uh, living for him and endeavoring to please him. And, of course, uh, like I said back when we came to communion, praise God for First John 1, 9, there's a solution when we fail. We confess that sin. We agree with God about it. We admit it. We humble ourselves before him. And we say, yes, Lord, I have whatever it is, you, you name it. It has fallen short, and he is faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But really what I am getting at is is the next phrase, uh, to them who are called according to his purpose. That's my point number one, the extent of God's purpose. So we kind of just fast forward across a, a huge verse there to the tail end of it, who are the called according to his purpose. What is God's purpose? Well, his purpose is revealed very clearly to us in verse 29 and 30, which is where we see it. And it says, going on in verse 29, for whom, and of course that is just flowing right out of verse 28. God's purpose uh, is this, 
for whom he did foreknow. You say, well, what's that? Uh, the foreknowledge of God means to know beforehand. Um, you know, there's always quite a squabble over the fact, well, was God just uh, passive in his foreknowledge? He just saw the way it was going to be and, and just let it be? Or was he active in his foreknowledge? Um, well, don't ask me to explain it all to your uh, full understanding, because I don't. But, you know, if we, could, if we could understand everything about God, then that brings God down to my level. And, and we have a God that is uh, so far above and beyond us, we can't, we can't imagine his ways. But I know that Scripture tells us that God is sovereign. And so that would make me tend to think that God is quite active with his foreknowledge to know beforehand. He is sovereign. There's no doubt that we see the sovereignty of God in scriptures. That is, that he is in complete control of all things. He is not just sitting back and saying, well, we'll see how this turns out, like, <laughs> like we are with the election. Well, we'll see how this turns out. We'll hope for the best, right? And we'll probably get uh, the worst. I don't know. No, God is in complete control of all things. He is in absolute, complete power. No one or no thing or no political party can thwart his plans or purposes or hinder the execution of his plans and purposes. God is sovereign. God even uses the intents of evil people to his purposes. And he is using even the intents of the evil one, Satan, for his purposes. And you say, well, I don't understand. Well, I don't either. Uh, but I know that it says here, whom he did foreknow, God is sovereign. He did also, he also did predestinate. Now, that's another big word. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means, uh, literally, the Greek word used there means uh, to mark out or to set the bounds in advance. Kind of like if you got a, or a, a, I don't know, a game going on, you, you set the boundaries and you got to play within those boundaries type of a thing. Um, and if you get outside the boundaries, why... Uh, you're not playing the game properly. Um, whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. He marked out in advance. And again, um, you know, I just have to fall back to the fact that God is sovereign in these things. Um, the sovereignty of God is, in, is something that Scripture is very clear about. Maybe we don't completely fully understand his foreknowledge and his predestination. Um, you know, some people get all upset and, uh, you know, squirm and, and, and get nervous and, and even angry over the thought of God being sovereign. Well, uh, he is, and uh, no one's ever going to be saved unless he recognizes that and humbles himself. It's kind of like the, the uh, disciples who continually squabbled over who's going to be the greatest. And over and again, <laughs> Christ settle that first time he took a child and says unless you uh, 
convert yourself or humble yourself and be like this little one here, you're not even going to get to the kingdom of God, much less be uh, important in it. And over and again, he, he it demonstrated himself as the creator and sustainer of all things, yet stooped and ministered and uh, washed their feet and, and set the example for us. Uh, we don't need to fret and stew about his foreknowledge and his predestination and those kind of things. We just recognize God for who he is and realize that he is stating his purpose here. His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. If you know Christ as your savior uh, today, and I know that probably most everybody does here, uh, then you were saved to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might shine little lights, uh, the lower lights uh, from the big light, uh, as we see that we've been saved for a purpose, to, to be conformed to the image of his son, that, we, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, whether that's the dad in a family that raises his children, uh, to accept the Lord, the firstborn among many brethren. It was not that way in my family. I was raised in a church that did not preach the truth of God's word, and I didn't come to know Christ as my Savior until I was out, and, and Satan had sifted me like wheat and almost destroyed my life. You know my testimony. And yet I've had the opportunity and privilege of, of leading my mom to the Lord and and challenging my dad, I, I'm not certain about my dad and my sisters to the Lord and, and uh, my children to the Lord and, and me having a, meeting a, a God-fearing woman to marry and, and to help in, in that task, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, there's a purpose and a reason. And, of course, it doesn't just stop with our family. Uh, the firstborn among many brethren, as we shine our light for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and uh, tell others and are quick to tell others of the reason of the hope that we have, um, that's what it's all about, that he might be conformed to the image of his son. But going on in verse 30, it says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. So we see this progression. Whom he for knew he predestinated whom he predestinated he called um, you know all are invited there's no doubt about that or the gospel would be wrong the gospel says that whosoever believeth upon him should not perish but have everlasting life that is that general invitation that is extended to all that general call to everyone it's kind of like in Proverbs chapter 1, where God's wisdom calls out to all, uh, stands in the chief place of the concourse and, and the gate where people come and go, even to the simple ones, God's wisdom calls. But people don't like what God's wisdom has to say because God's wisdom uh, stands for what's right and against what is wrong. And, and that's the problem. Uh, the general call, but what we see here is the effective call. The effective call, that call that you cannot resist. <laughs> Think back in your own life uh, of God's work in your life, bringing you to that place where you finally surrendered and said, 
Lord, save me. Can you think back to that? Um, we should be able to if you know Christ is your Savior, if you can't. Uh, you know, it might have been at a young age, and so uh, it was just kind of a natural thing to do. And that's really the way it should be, you know, as we raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and they just would, would naturally uh, desire to do what it is that is right and, and what the parents, the example they set. But I can remember it. It was quite a process in my life, and I don't have time to tell you all about it here, that the Holy Spirit working in my life. But um, it was an effective thing. I didn't respond to it until Easter Sunday, 1974, Temple Baptist Church. fellow that I sat on a switch engine with in Hutchison, Kansas, invited me to church, and I thought, well, why not? You know, as I was flip-flopping around trying to figure things out, and I can say that for the first time I heard the gospel preached and people in church that wanted to be in church and it enjoyed being in church and uh, was challenged with the truth of the gospel. I went back a second time and, and walked the aisle and received Christ as my Savior and, and I really didn't start living until then. And uh, I have never, never um, been sorry for the decision that I made back then. For those he foreknew, he predestinated. Those he predestinated, uh, he called. And whom he called, he justified, going on in verse 30, as we consider the, the purpose of God. He justified. Now, that's a legal term. Having the idea of acquittal. Turn with me to uh, back just a few pages to Romans chapter 3. Justified is a, is a legal thing that has taken place. Having the idea of acquittal, not only being found not guilty, when you trusted Christ as your Savior and he forgives your sin, and he, the forgiveness is, is not because God just turns his back on sin and kind of winks at it, well, you'll be all right. No. The wages of sin is death. God will punish sin. And the only way that you and I can get to heaven is because our sin was punished in full on Jesus as he hung there upon the cross of Calvary. And we recognize that and we realize that Christ died for us and when we receive Christ as our Savior, we are, we are justified. It happens at the moment we're saved. We are declared uh, not guilty but also that we are righteous. Notice in verse 23 of Romans 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Now, there's several theological big words here, uh, legal terms that are used that all take place with regards to our salvation. Redemption, that's paying the price. It's kind of like a, we were slaves in the slave market. Uh, we were slaves to sin and to Satan. Jesus paid the price in that slave market. He bought us. And the price was not gold and silver, but the price was blood, and, and he purchased us, and he not only bought us, but he sets us free. That's what redemption means. Has set forth to be the propitiation. 
That big word is with regards to the holy and the righteous demands of God being satisfied. And they're not satisfied because of anything I did except receive Jesus. They're satisfied in the fact that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sins. And yours too if you know him as your Savior. He is a propitiation. He is a wrath-removing agent of God's wrath upon sin. He is a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, verse 26, at this time, his righteousness, it's his righteousness. He is the eternal God of this universe, creator and sustainer of all things. He did no sin. He could do no sin. And through his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him uh, that believeth in Jesus. My friends, that's a legal term. Whom he did uh, foreknow, he did predestinate. Those that he predestinated, he called. Those that he called, he justified, declared righteous. Um, I think uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says it about as good as as can be said, and I'm going to turn over there quickly if you want to follow me over. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 where it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's Jesus. Became sin for us. He died, not because he deserved it, but he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, it doesn't mention justification there, but that's the transaction that takes place. Uh, we can be declared not guilty. We are acquitted. We're quite guilty. We've been there and done that. But when you trust Christ as your Savior and ask him to save you from your sins, uh, not only does he declare you not guilty, but he gives us the righteousness of Christ uh, in its place. So that's huge as we consider the purpose of God. But let's get back to our text again here. Those he foreknew, he did predestinate uh, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, what does that mean? Well, it hadn't happened yet for you or me to receive our glorified bodies, to be made like him. And that's going to happen at the rapture of the church for us as believers. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Make no mistake. Those who have died before in Christ are with Christ. They're in heaven. But they're awaiting a resurrection. And that happens at that last trump, the rapture of the church. And when we hear that trump of God and the voice of the archangel, um, we realize that the bodies, the resurrected, glorified bodies of, of those who have gone on will be reunited with their souls. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with them and the Lord, just as it says in Scripture, just as complete and as in much detail as we have seen. All that taking place in a twinkling of an eye. Can you imagine the world after that? What a mess that'll be. 
You know, I, we know that the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the rapture of the church. And um, I don't think we completely fully understand the, the salt seasoning that we are in this world, the restraining force that God's people are to, to just live a godly life and speak out for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when you see wrong, call it wrong. Don't water it down. And to tell others about the truth. Tell others what we know to be true. We know it to be true that if someone dies without Christ, they spend eternity without him. Well, that glorified, it says if you've been called, you've been glorified. It's past tense. (laughs) Not for us, but in God's mind, it has happened. It is good as done. And so we see the extent of God's purpose for the child of God. From eternity past to eternity future, we're locked in place. Now that, my friends, gives some assurance and security in these days that we live. The purpose of God, the extent of God's purpose. Um, goodness. I look at the clock, and I only got through point one. I don't think I want to try to go on just because um, what's to come as we consider the extent of God's uh, provision. Verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things, the extent of God's provision? Uh, I could not do it justice uh, to try to squeeze it five more minutes, and then I'd be five minutes late. So uh, we're going to call it good at this point. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the privilege of, of gathering here today in light of these truths. And Father, we pray that you would uh, use your word in our hearts and lives. Thank you for your purpose, the extent of that, Father. We can't even wrap our brains around such a thought that from eternity past to eternity future, uh, we've been locked in place as your children. We thank you and praise you for that. Father, I pray that that would stir us into holy activity, that we would uh, leave here today encouraged to continue and to uh, be what you have called us to be. Work in our hearts to that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.